Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, welcome everybody. This is episode 84 of the OCR Underground Show. I am your host, Mike Diebler, and as always, thank you so much for joining me today. Hopefully going to give you some good insight into improving your OCR training. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, head on over to OCRunderground.com slash episode dash 84. All right. Well, I hope you are having an awesome day. Uh, I'm getting, getting ready for a pretty insane weekend. My wife and I are going to be really tested, I think. We're going to be running around with the kids all weekend at different sporting events. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm a little stressed about it as well. Um, and actually, I am excited and very nervous for my first uh, coaching experience as a, my son's baseball coach. So first uh, outing as a little league coach. Um, I'm not sure I know what I'm getting into, but I am looking forward to our first game this weekend and and see how uh, how well we hold up and and hopefully I can keep all the kids under control and um, have fun out there. So it's uh, surprisingly nerve-wracking trying to get these these kids ready for uh, a baseball game, um, but it should be fun. So um, so I have a crazy weekend. I hope you have uh, fun plans coming up, but let's get into uh, today's episode. Uh, as always, I have some great stuff for you. In the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I'm going to build off of a few things that I talked about in the last episode referring to performance versus adaptation. Just going to go in a little bit of a different direction based on a kind of personal experience I had with a run uh, not too long ago. Uh, in my research review, I'm going to talk about running economy, talk about what running economy is, why why you should be paying attention to it. And I'm going to look at some research on uh, on a really simple thing you can do that can, that can boost your running economy. Uh, and then I have an awesome conversation with SGX coach Jason Archer, and uh, this one was definitely a little different. Um, uh, got out of my comfort zone a little bit, I think, on on some of the topics that we talked about here. Just uh, went down a few different rabbit holes, but really, I thought uh, it was really fun chatting with with Jason. And um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, if I'm going to sum it up, I we we basically talked about how to become a, a better version of yourself. So I think there's a lot of great things that you can take from the interview. Uh, before we get into today's show, though, I want to let you know a little bit about uh, this episode's sponsors. Uh, first up, I have a, a brand new sponsor. I'm really excited to uh, to uh, announce this one, um, partnering with Anchor, Anchor Training. Uh, Anchor is a product we've used um, for a little while now at my studio, and it, it it's just been awesome. It's been a game changer. And uh, essentially what it is, it's a, a functional trainer that you can you can take wherever you want. So uh, normally when you go to the gym, you see the cable machines are kind of, uh, they're crowded and a million people are trying to get on there. Um, and if you're training at home, uh, you, you probably don't have the luxury of having a cable system in your garage uh, that you can use. And uh, this essentially solves that problem, the, the anchor anchor system is a portable functional trainer so it's it's like a cable machine that you can move around um, you attach it to a pole and then you're you're good to go um, it's lightweight easy to, to, to move around like I said uh, but it actually can provide a good amount of resistance I think about 65 pounds per unit so it's it's a good amount of force there 
Uh, and the cool thing is it's not exactly a, a, a cable machine. Um, it has these little five and 10 pound plates that you can add or take off to, to change the weight. Um, but instead of being a cable resistant with like a weight stack, they uh, use a technology using um, a spring-loaded torque system. So it's it's really cool. It's, it's, it's really hard to explain unless you just kind of get on there and use it. But one of the really cool things is you, it's a great way to improve strength, functional performance, and uh, really cool for incorporating power and speed. Because when you if you have a cable machine and you like really crank on it, the weight is going to go flying around and, and slam down. This is different. There's constant tension. So you can do some, some great rotational movements and power movements. Um, and have that constant tension on there from the spring. So uh, I can go on and on, but I want you to go over to anchortraining.com and, and just check it out because it really is hard to explain. Watch some videos and tutorials on, on it, um, but I, I think it would be an amazing addition to any home gym um, if you're looking to, to add to your, your collection. Um, and even better yet, for listening to the show, you get 10% off. So when you head on over to anchortraining.com uh, at checkout, just use the code OCR underground and you'll get 10% off your order. And I also want to let you know about Venga CBD. Uh, Venga makes uh, products specifically engineered for the endurance athlete. Their products are 100% THC free. Uh, they use independent lab results for every product and they use nanocell technology for max bioavailability. In fact, you'll find uh, 10, uh, excuse me, five times more absorption rate than your typical CBD product. So um, I've been experimenting with a few different of their, their products and I found a nice little routine, uh, especially when I'm going out on my longer runs. I like to uh, about 30 minutes beforehand, I will uh, take the uh, CBD energy drink and then um, I mix in with my fueling on my longer runs, uh, some of the CBD gummies. So just to help fight inflammation um, throughout my run uh, and it's really worked well for me but they make uh, a few other great products so head on over to vengacbd.com slash OCR underground and remember if you use code OCR underground uh, you can save off your first order or you can get some pretty substantial savings on any subscription subscription plans that you do again head on over to vengacbd.com slash OCR underground All right, to kick things off uh, with the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I wanted to continue a similar topic that I talked about last time, the idea of performance versus adaptation. Uh, and if you remember, if you listened to the last episode, I was talking about, you know, doing hill sprints and really, you know, kind of making sure I was checking in on what was I trying to get out of it? Was I just trying to, you know, do things sloppy and just finish and, and kind of go to the pain cave and, and get through it? Or was I trying to improve on technique and form and and um, you know, improving work capacity that way. So that that's essentially what I was talking about last time. Uh, I had a similar, or not a similar experience, but I had a, a, another run that just kind of made me think of this this topic, thinking uh, you know what I can learn from it and how I can share it with with you guys. And um, so essentially, what happened? I sent an email about this that you may have read, but just to recap, um, I uh, scheduled a twelve mile run that was going to go on. And typically when I do my longer runs, they're a little bit lower intensity and I'll often do them in a fasted state. Uh, sometimes the entire run, depending on how long it is, I might bring some fueling on with me. So a run for this long, I knew it was going to take quite a while, you know, probably 
two-ish hours to finish. Uh, I wanted to bring some fueling with me. Um, as the morning was going on, life got in the way, and my run was getting more and more pushed out, so my fast was getting longer and longer. Uh, top that was it was going to be way hotter than I thought it was going to be. Um, now it's about one o'clock, and um, I need to get on this run, or it's not going to happen. And uh, I knew being fasted was was probably not going to be such a good idea because I was extending that fast a little bit longer than normal. So I did have some fruit that I was hoping would uh, would help me get going, and then brought some fueling with me. Uh, so got out there, and honestly, in the beginning, everything felt great. It was no big deal. Probably made it through five six miles, and actually felt really good. Um, since I was in a little bit of a rush to get out there, I only brought enough fueling for really one uh, one one feed. And with a run this long, you know, I, I typically like to consume something every 45 minutes-ish. So ideally, I would have had enough for two feedings. Didn't happen on this run. So I, I pushed that, that feeding as long as I could. So pushed it actually a little bit over an hour, um, hoping that that would help me just, you know, get, get through the run. Um, I knew I was in a little bit of trouble when I got to about mile eight. Wasn't sure if I was going to finish. The heat was just was getting to me probably didn't drink enough that morning, you know, that on top of the improper fueling strategies, uh, I was definitely hurting. Um, uh, by the end, uh, almost finished the run. I got just under 11 miles in before I just decided I, I just couldn't, couldn't go anymore. It wasn't worth pushing through it. Um, so obviously a lot I can learn from this where number one, this is a mistake I've done before and, you know, probably I'll make it again, but hopefully I'll, I'll get smarter and smarter about it where, uh, fueling it sometimes it's you don't think you need it until you do and then it's too late <laughs> and I've run into that a lot whether it's been in a, an actual race or with with training where I didn't think I needed something I tried to to extend it farther than I should I felt good and then all of a sudden things just uh, don't feel good anymore and you hit that wall so it's just a nice reminder that you, you really have to plan this stuff and it makes a huge difference in your training when you're properly fueling and hydrating and all that good stuff so again Good reminder of that. But also, you know, it's not the end of the world that I had this situation happen. And getting back to this idea of performance versus adaptation, uh, sometimes in your training, you are trying to optimize performance. And sometimes in your training, you're trying to optimize an adaptation. So if I, I can look at it this way, while yes, it was not my best run, right? I was definitely slower than I, I typically am. I just didn't feel good. I really had to dig down and push and, and in order to get as far as I did. So I can view this as using it as a tool to train for specific adaptation. So basically, if I look at it this way, I am training in less than ideal situ circumstances or situations. And uh, I first heard of this kind of whole strategy from Dr. Mike T. Nelson, with the flex diet certification. And I just like the way he he put this where, you know, sometimes your training is specifically for max performance where you're trying to PR and other times you're just trying to create some type of change in the body. Um, so this uh, training in this less than ideal situation, basically it's gonna require your body to work a little bit harder and essentially just figure out a way to get the fuel it needs. Now you bounce back from it. Hopefully the idea is you adapt and you're stronger. And if you're ever in that situation again, um, you're going to be able to handle it a little bit better, right? And the kind of high, whole idea behind training. But we have to understand that there's a cost to this type of training. Um, it beats you up, right? So uh, I do take my heart rate variability each morning, 
And I had one of the lowest scores I've ever had after this run. It was uh, my recovery was at 22%. So obviously this is something I had to pay attention to and work hard in order to, to just get back to kind of the status quo so I can hit my training hard again. But I had to wait and, you know, focus on recovery for a little bit. And that, and that's okay. I just have to keep in mind that training in a situation like this is a little bit more stressful, a little more taxing on the body. Um, and it can lead to very positive benefits as long as you allow that to happen. So if I were to turn around and try and hit a, another, you know, high intensity workout right after I might be digging myself deeper into a hole and now leading to overtraining injury, uh, other things like that. So, uh, so this might be a situation that, or something that you want to at least think about. So I mentioned training in a fasted state, uh, kind of the same idea, right? You, you're probably not going to get peak performance when you fast and then work out. But the goal of that workout isn't necessarily to PR, right? You're just trying to create an adaptation, um, become a little bit more fat adapted and things like that. So uh, you do think you may do things like that, not all the time, but it might be a strategy that you you include every now and then. Um, obviously, the more you do it, the better you get at it and the less stressful it is on the body. So um, you'll be able to do it more often. But as long as you realize that, hey, it is a good strategy. I'm not going to do it all the time. Use it sparingly. But I might train in less than ideal situations just for that type of adaptation. Uh, but most of the time, we should be training for performance, right? Where we're trying to hit that PR, where we're trying to improve speed, power, strength, whatever it might be. I'm going to fuel properly. I, I want to push as hard as I can, right? This is how most of our training should occur, right? Because I want to be pushing the limit there, right? I want to be running faster, longer, uh, lifting more weight, things like that. So this is this is kind of where training gets fun because it, it, you should mix it up a little bit. It should be a little bit different. Don't always do it in the perfect situation, right? Sometimes mix it up, um, try different things, play around with your nutrition, the time of day, um, whatever it might be, right? Sometimes in a race situation, it's less than ideal conditions. Sometimes you're racing for a really long period of time. Um, you, you're going to have to stretch that food out a little bit farther than you thought you would, whatever it might be. So we, we want that, uh, physiological, physiological challenge, but it's also a good mental challenge as well to see, Hey, when, when you don't feel good, you know, kind of how, how well can you push yourself and, and what you can do there? So I just thought that was a, you know, it's something I learned and, and constantly, constantly are, are trying to, to challenge myself and, and change up my programming uh, and my clients programming to, to just help uh, in, in any way possible. So think about your programming and, and your workouts and, you know, hopefully most of the time you're, you're training for that peak performance. Um, but every now and then, uh, see if you're trying to stimulate some type of adaptation, right? Make it a little bit more challenging, less than ideal, uh, but a good way to mix up your training there. All right, time for our research review. Now, I'm going to, uh, this is a topic that I talk about a lot uh, in my exercise physiology class that I teach. And uh, if you're trying to improve endurance, and for this sake, we'll just say you want to be a better runner, endurance runner, it really comes down to there's four things, the main four things that if you improve these four things, you're going to be a better endurance athlete. And you've probably heard of most, if not all of these. So the higher your VO2 max, the better endurance you're going to have, better uh, capacity you have. Uh, the higher your lactate threshold, 
the same thing, the better endurance you'll have. Um, genetics obviously plays a role. Uh, the more type one muscle fiber recruitment we have, um, those are better to handle more endurance. Um, but not just genetics, with training, you can improve the capacity of the type one fibers you have. And you can also get your type two fibers to act a little bit more like type one fibers. So, um, so that's another thing though, if you have better endurance capable muscle fibers, you're going to be a better endurance athlete. Uh, and then the final thing is running economy and, um, or move, I should say it's movement economy, but here we're specifically talking about running. And essentially what this is, is how economical is your movement. So the idea is we want to be as economical as possible. And when we're talking economics here, we're talking about energy. The more energy you expend in terms of performance, the, the more you're wasting, right? Um, you know, if you just park your car and, and leave the car running for an hour while you go run errands, right? It's, it's just wasting gas there. Um, so you're going to have to refuel sooner than you probably should have. So same idea. If, if we're moving in a way that's not very economical, uh, we're just essentially wasting energy. And uh, the how I kind of describe describe this when I'm talking to my classes, you know, let's just say I'm you know running in place and you know kind of have good form and, and everything looks good. I'm kind of just bouncing from one foot to the other. You know, I'm, I'm trying to use as little energy as possible to make that movement happen. Now, if you can imagine me running with my arms kind of flailing all over the place and taking big loud steps as I go, think how much more energy I'm using to create that movement. Right. So that's what it's coming down to. If I want to run for longer, I want to use as le the least amount of energy as possible so I can run for longer. Right. So the better your running economy, uh, the, the less energy you're going to waste. And that's what it boils down to. So obviously we can we can manipulate training to influence all of these things. But I want to specifically look at, at running economy or movement economy because I don't think it gets talked about that much. Um, and there's some really simple things you can do to improve it. Uh, so this study that we're going to look at was from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research. And they wanted to uh, basically look and see if stride frequency, um, specifically a stride frequency program, training program, would help improve running economy. So uh, for this study, they specifically, or they only took female runners. Uh, they had a control group and a experimental group. And what they had them do was they uh, pre-tested their running economy. So they basically looked at how much oxygen they were consuming at different running speeds. And that was the way they could tell how much energy they were expending. Uh, so they were running at 3.4 meters per second and 3.8 meters per second. And again, they just had their baseline to see how much uh, they were improving. So over the next uh, 12, or excuse me, 10 days, uh, the control group uh, did not have a, a stride frequency training program. The experimental group did have a, a training program. And really all the program can consist of was once a day for 15 minutes, they did cadence training or stride frequency training. They basically, at whatever running speed they wanted to do, they practiced running at 100, approximately 180 steps per minute. Um, You'll hear that number come up a lot. I don't know that there's a magical, uh, you know, stride frequency, but we do hear that number a lot. So they they went with that, and they just for 15 minutes a day, all they did was they picked a speed, whatever they wanted, and worked on that 180 um, steps per minute. Then they, after those 10 days were over, they tested both both groups again, and they wanted to see was there any difference in running economy between the group that. Uh, did not have any stride frequency training and the group that did. 
And what they found was the group that did not have any training um, over that time saw no significant improvements in any of the measurements that they, they tested, um, and specifically looking at oxygen consumption or running economy here. Uh, the experimental group, the group that did do the training, saw uh, significant improvements in running economy. And actually, they saw an 11, approximately 11% 11 decrease in oxygen consumption. So basically, they're becoming more efficient using less energy to do the same run they did before. Remember, they just tested them running at those two different speeds. They used 11% on average less energy. So they saw uh, there was a greater self-selected. Again, they weren't being told anything, but they just naturally took a, uh, a higher stride frequency, which naturally led to a shorter stride length, um, which also lowered their heart rates, their exercising heart rates at those intensities. So uh, pretty cool. Over 10 days, all they did 15 minutes a day, just, just thinking about hitting the 180 steps per minute, we saw some pretty significant improvements in running economy. So again, I think that's a super simple thing. It's something I, I try and do, especially like in my warm up when I'm just getting going, I, I just pay attention to my cadence. It's probably not something you're going to think about all the time, but you want it to be kind of just a natural, natural movement and natural um instinct for you to just run at this frequency. So if you're running at, you know, say like 90 steps per minute, don't think you're going to double it. You want to slowly increase those, those uh, stride frequencies. Um, and again, I don't know that there's a magical number at 180, um, but somewhere around there is, is probably a good place to go, especially if, if you are closer to hundred or, or something like that, it's a pretty um, low stride frequency. So, um, so it's something I, I think most people would benefit from doing. Uh, the, the smaller the step and the faster your turnover is, you tend to run faster, you tend to lose less energy, you tend to have less impact on the body, which leads to most likely less wear and tear on the joints. So I think there's a lot of benefit from uh, improving that stride frequency. So if, if you've never paid attention to your cadence, you know, watches will do it, um, your phone might do it, there's a lot of apps out there and things like that, or just old school, time yourself and count, um, but real simple thing that you can do and hopefully get you more economical with your running. All right, guys, well, it's time for this episode's interview. And today I have on uh, SGX coach, Jason Archer. Jason's with uh, CrossFit North Phoenix. He is uh, CrossFit level one and two certified. He's also SGX level one and level two. Uh, he's also the founder of Hardwater, which we're going to talk about, uh, the host of the Hardwater Radio podcast and Do the Right Thing podcast. So coach, how's it going today? Going well, man, yourself? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here, man. I appreciate you yeah. reaching out and having me on. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's kind of dive into it. Let's start off with, um, well, I, I want to know what uh, Hardwater is, where this came from, where this developed. So let's just start talking about that. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people ask where that came from, uh, and it's often mispronounced. But the thing of it is, back in the day, I had a long-term relationship come to an end. And at that point in time, I took a hard look at myself in the mirror and just realized how gooey and soft I had become. And I'm not just speaking physically, I'm speaking mentally as well. I basically had, you know, had not tied those two things together and created the man that I am today, nor was I even in a spot to do that. But the first thing that I did was I started looking at the physical and I went into a few gyms, the Globo gyms, the Gold's gyms, that sort of thing. And you know, while you can get some work done there, it just wasn't uh, what I was looking for. And so I somehow stumbled across a CrossFit gym in town 
and ended up going to a class. And in that class, I saw people just going insane, crazy in this triple digit Arizona heat, shirts off, weights being thrown, you know, grunting, you know, everything that you could possibly do to put effort into creating a positive outcome for themselves. And at the time, I didn't know it. I didn't know all the terminology around CrossFit. And of course, it's been adopted by OCR and GORUCK and all the rest of these companies now. But WAD was just an acronym for workout of the day. And so as I saw these people going hard in this workout, it just made sense to me that these people were hardwaters. They were going hard in these WADs. And so the lifestyle brand evolved from just putting those two words together. And, you know, of course, it, it is synonymous with hard water which is a word that's common, especially out here in Arizona where there's so many minerals. So it's just a word that it fit together and rolled off the tongue. And the purpose of the brand is to represent people who are doing hard things and doing their best to crush mediocrity and create mastery around the things they want to bring into being in their own life. And so that's basically in a nutshell, kind of the origins of it. There's you know a lot of, of tentacles that branch off of that in the mindset, physical piece, but that would, that would kind of seal up the nutshell. And, and I, I want to dive a little bit deeper on some of these topics, but it sounds like that's kind of your, your philosophy, your mentality with, uh, well, it sounds like not just training with clients, but just, this is how you live your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like everything kind of starts with the physical. I mean, you can argue that it starts with the mental, but the results that we create are the result of driving our bodies through this world. So if you think of yourself as multiple people, or as multiple beings, you know, that you have a mind and that mind is constantly chattering. And it's only the person who learns how to get through the monkey mind and start controlling the vehicle, which he or she drives, which is the body that we were given and blessed with that actually create results in the physical world. So the results in the physical world piece come from moving in the physical world and moving in the physical world as a result of controlling your mindset. So you know, depending on where you're coming from, you can influence your mind or your body going from the inside to the out or the outside to the end. Um, and probably the easiest thing to feel better about yourself is to just get up and do something. So, you know, go for a walk, you know, move, do any, do anything that's going to allow you to say, I did something today. I accomplished something today. And then that of course influences your mindset until you can get to the place where, you evolve from the inside out. You start your day with a meditation or you start your day with intention and then you go and you physically create that intention in the real world. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, it's like trying to start a new habit or or even break a bad one where it's very intentional, right? In the beginning where you you can't really get by without, you know, consciously saying, I'm gonna do this thing or not do this thing, whatever it is. But the goal is with all of this is then it just becomes natural, right? Where I'm not thinking about it anymore. This is who I am. And this is just how it's going to be. Yeah, there's there's a lot behind that statement. Uh, if you've ever read, there's a great old book called Psycho-Cybernetics. And a lot of the success literature sort of evolved from that. But one of the big misconceptions that evolved from the doctor who wrote that book um, uh, was he was originally a plastic surgeon and he observed that it took people about two weeks to form a new attachment to their faces. So if they had a nose job, uh, it takes about 14 to 21 days for them to adjust how they're seeing themselves. And that was sort of mis-extrapolated into this idea that it takes 21 days to form a habit. Uh, but research tells us it takes on average 66 days. So at the point at which you wake up and you have a routine and you feel an absence from your life, or you feel a hole in your day, if you don't execute that routine, that's what you're looking for. So ever how many days it takes you to get to that point, 
um, that's really uh, what you're talking about when you're getting to habituation. Like I missed being at the gym today and I felt it. Not I missed being at the gym today and who gives a shit, right? It's like, who who cares? I care. And and the reality is it, it doesn't support me in going down another road if I'm moving away from the thing that I say I want to create. So habituating that, um, you know, uh, together with your mindset and with your physicality is really the key at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that what you said right there, that's um, kind of the key to all of this is, am I, sometimes I, I like to look at it like, am I the type of person that would do this? Whether, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, am I the, am I the type of person that's going to not skip out on a workout or it, am I the type of person that's going to whatever, you know, cheat on a spouse or, or whatever it is. And it's, it, that's such an important question because until you can really answer that question, right. There's so, you, you don't really have control over which, which direction your life's going to go. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a really powerful way of thinking about this. And probably the power of that is lost on the subtlety of that statement. So I'm going to give you all the props in the world for saying that, because what you're actually doing is you are, you're doing a form of, of visualization. Uh, you're doing a form of vision work, which is you're projecting into the world the thing that you want to become. And so that vacuum then, if it's powerful enough, pulls you along, right? So there's this thing that I want to become and I'm putting that in front of me and it's so big that there's a vacuum behind it. And I want it to be so powerful that it pulls me into that place, whether it's weight loss or you know running a beast or you know deadlifting 400 pounds, whatever the thing is. Um, if you don't have that, then basically when you wake up every day, you're lost and there's no worse place to be than waking up with no purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that makes, uh, I have a question to ask you about this then maybe you have some good insight in your experience. I, I can see a couple different ways. I have this goal to achieve weight loss. We'll just say that I, I want to be this body fat or whatever it might be. Is it kind of how I was saying, you know, do I want to, is it I'm the person that I I'm going to act the way to get to that, or I need to flip it and I need to be that person. I don't know if this is making any sense at all, but do I, do I view it as the approach of where I am now and where I have to go, or I need to act like that person in the future? Um, Cause I, I, I guess what I'm, where I'm coming from with this is I know so many people where they, they have a goal of something, you know, I want to make more money. I want to whatever, get more fit and it's just going to happen. Right. Like a lot of people have this mentality where if I get enough years to go by, I I'm going to reach this goal. It's just how things go. I'm almost like I'm entitled for, for this to happen and how, you know, that can be such a negative thing where we just expect that this is going to get there instead of thinking, well, I'm not there right now. So I'm clearly not doing the things that I need to do to get there. So what, what would, what kind of approach should I be taking? It's, it's, should I think of myself as that person or is it just, Hey, I need to figure out what little steps I need to take to get there. And I might just be rambling. I don't know, but maybe you can make better, <laughs> better of this. Yeah. It's a big question, honestly. And I think uh, rambling is good. in a lot of these conversations, <laughs> because that's how humans think, you know, it's a, uh, you have to risk saying the wrong thing to get to the right thing. So yeah. I appreciate you um, being vulnerable vulnerable enough to do that. And I think that at the highest level, it works both ways. So as we were saying earlier, you can influence your mindset by what you do, and you can influence what you do by your mindset. 
So I think it depends on the individual and as a trainer or as a coach, it's, it's your job really to identify which is more motivating for the person that you're, that you want to help. Because at the end of the day, compliance is the biggest challenge in any form of a fitness endeavor, whether it's nutrition or running or, you know, CrossFit or whatever, getting people to comply with what you want them to do is the most difficult piece. And you're asking them to do hard things. You know, and they're not, they don't want to do hard things. Let's just, I mean, I, there's the, I don't want to do hard things half the time. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a part of developing what I like to call a move anyway mindset. And if you read my uh, posts, my daily posts on Instagram, I always hashtag move anyway, because it doesn't matter how I feel if the result matters to me. Okay. So how I feel has to be separated from what I want to create. And that's kind of what you were touching on from, you know, um, you know, creating the, the, the momentum toward getting what you want, the who do I want to become. And I think the projecting who you want to become into the future, projecting that out there is one way of overcoming that stagnation of, I don't feel like it today. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do my freaking burpees. I don't want to, you know, drive to the gym, whatever the thing is. Overcoming that is this process of constantly setting aside how you feel in favor of what you want to create. And so what I challenge people to do is observe themselves. And this it takes a little practice. But if you wake up and you're not feeling it, and this I'll be honest, this morning I woke up and I wasn't feeling it. And so, you know, I had to have a conversation with myself. I'm like, listen, man, this is not who you are. You're not going to sit around and do nothing today. So let's get up, let's get off your ass and let's get moving. You know, let's get the first thing done, get up, make the bed, brush your teeth, you know, let's start mm -hmm. small, you know, mm -hmm. and then those little things build into larger things that can then cause your feelings to change. So if it's a feeling thing, I want to move so that I can control how I feel. And if it's a movement thing that I want to control how I feel to make me move, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you turning my question and into better terminology and, <laughs> <laughs> and explaining it way better. Um, so you kind of, you jumped ahead. One of the things I really, I wanted to ask you knowing I was going to talk to you is this idea of like, we, we have slumps, right? We have bad days. We, we have stuff happen. Um, and, and I think you kind of already answered this, but it sounds like everything you're saying here, this is your solution or maybe your recommendation on when you're, when you're not having, maybe it's not a great day, a week, a month, whatever it is, how do we, how do we get out of that? Now, this sounds like what your approach would be. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, it's, I think at the highest level, it's about self-awareness and really what I think people mean when they say that is self-observation. So I want to basically observe myself. Am I, you know, am I staying in bed? Am I uh, working on the tasks that I agreed to work on? I'm observing myself. And as I'm observing myself is what I'm observing is it moving me toward what I want or is it moving me away from what I want? And if I have that observation, then it's much easier to make a decision in that moment. But the thing of it is, is if you're having one of those really bad slumps, like there've been times when I've been, you know, weeks, month, you know, where you just don't feel it. And this is real. And I think a lot of times people resort to drugs, you know, to kind of save them that, you know, I'm not living this beer commercial every day I wake up, I'm not, I'm not smiling and surrounded by women in bikinis. So therefore my life is fucked, you mm -hmm. know, but that's <laughs> not true. The reality is everyone experiences that. And the fastest way out of that is just to force movement upon yourself. 
that's the feeling piece. So movement changes feeling, feeling changes movement. And so you have to observe where you're at, you know, and once you have that, if you don't have the wherewithal, it's good to have a support system and someone who's willing to be honest with you. So if you are my support system and you know, and you see that I'm struggling, you see that, you know, normally my morning routine's done by 7 a.m., and you see me sleeping until 10 a.m. or you sent me that text and I didn't respond until 2 p.m., you know, it's probably probably a good idea for me to to have people in my circle who say, hey, man, what's going on? Do you do you do you need some support? And if so, what does that look like for you? What are you experiencing? Have you been able to observe yourself? So obviously the best answer is if you can be your own guru, be that. But if you if you're having a moment of weakness and we all do, there's nothing wrong with relying on the people in your life who actually care that you create what you say you want to create. Yeah, I love that. And that, that's such a strong point there. And, you know, it, it's, we can do a lot on our own, right? And, and some people are definitely self-motivated and, and they can get a lot of stuff done. But you always have to ask, what more could you have gotten done with, with that person right next to you or, or just a phone call away or, or, or a coach or whatever it is? Um, the, it's like anything, we, we really don't know our limits. And for us to test it ourselves is such a hard thing. But to have somebody there see what you can't see, um, it's, it can become such a powerful tool for you. 100% brother, you hit the nail on the head right there. So it sounds a lot of what you're saying, you know, it's this physical and mental or piece to, you know, if we bring it back to training is it's intertwined, right? It's, it's something that we're, we should at least be training or working on together. So I don't know if you have any insights if if i'm not deliberately if let's just say i go to the gym i pick up some weight i sweat and i leave and and that's it um it is where can i at least start this observation like you said the self observation how how can i start to maybe consciously think about both sides and not just hey i'm just going to get swole you know get a get a sweat going whatever it might be sure yeah so this is a great question on a lot of levels I think it really comes down to what you want to create. So if you don't know what you want, right, Alice in Wonderland, any road will get you there, right? If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So if your goal is to is to get in a sweat, then I'm just going to leave you alone. Like you did what you wanted to do. If you wanted to sweat, you sweated and you got in, you know, you got your heart rate up, you did whatever you wanted to accomplish and, and you're out of there. If your goal is to, you know, develop a heavy deadlift or a fast mile, that's a completely different conversation. And so coming to that conversation with the idea that, hey, I don't have the answer. And the reason that I know I don't have the answer is because I don't have the result is one of those places where you can say, I haven't been able to do it on my own as of yet. I can continue to struggle and I'm, and I'm observing the fact that I'm struggling based on the fact that I'm measuring myself against the result I want to create. Or I can talk to someone else who has that result and see if I can collapse the time frame. So maybe someone else who has that six minute mile or seven minute mile or whatever, you know, whatever your development goal is at that point can tell you, hey, you know, try this program. Let's get you running a, a 20 second 100 meters, you know, and then let's bump that to two. Right. And then we'll bump it all the way up to 1600 meters, which would be your mile. And the next thing you know, you've got a pretty quick mile or you can keep struggling. So I think that when it comes to self-observation, it's just a constant process of measuring yourself against the result that you claim to want. 
And when I say claim to want, I intentionally use that word because a lot of people will say things that they really don't want out of ego or out of looking good to other people rather than, you know, saying, listen, you know, I, I'm working out with a bunch of monsters here and you guys, you know, you do the five and a half minute mile all day long, but Hey, I'm over here running this 10 minute mile and I'm perfectly cool with that. I just want to get to nine. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, so just coming down to the purpose, if you can run a nine minute mile or an eight minute mile and deadlift 400 pounds and squat 350, that's probably, maybe that's more valuable to you than just being a mile specialist. You know, so what is your goal? Do you want to specialize in a particular thing? Do you want to, you know, run the beast in two hours? What is it that you want to do um, versus what you have? And then we look at the gap. Self-observation based on results. Where I'm in, where am I in the gap? Well, I have to do this, this, and this to cross the gap. And then you go from there. So you just make it, um, you know, a lot of people, like you said, um, will sort of just throw things out there willy-nilly. And that's, basically hope, you know, one day, <laughs> one day, I just remind people that hope is not a strategy, right? Mm. It's not a strategy. So what is your strategy? And if they don't have one, then you help them develop one. And sometimes that starts with self-observation. Sometimes that just starts with like breaking down ego. Cause it's like, you're not as good as you think you are mm -hmm. based on mm -hmm. results. And I'm not telling that cause I hate you. I'm telling you that cause it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, um, Sorry, I just drew a blank right there. You said something that I, I thought was really important and now I can't forget, or now I can't remember it. Um, Happens all the time, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll come back to it as I, as I think of it. Um, sure. So I had a question uh, as we were emailing, you know, before this interview on, on some things to talk about, uh, you wrote something down that I, I, and it might be kind of what you're touching on right now, but I just wanted to um, pick your brain a little bit more when you said sure. mindset, skill set, result set. So could you expand on that, that idea right there a little bit? Yeah. You know, I was trying to, not trying to, I was thinking deeply about how I could come up with a succinct way to communicate what I think is necessary to create a particular, you know, outcome in your life. And I just came up with this equation and the equation is mindset plus skill set equals result set. And so you look at your result set and you say, okay, well, I want to be able to, you know, like I run marketing for my gym. I want to be able to generate uh, 20 leads per week for my gym. Okay. Am I doing that? Yes or no. Be very black and white. Be very black and white. Forget gray area. Gray area does not exist in the world of results. Mm -hmm. Yes or no. If the answer is no, then my result set is lacking. So I go back to the drawing board and I say, okay, well, Am I committed to this? And I start checking in with my mindset around this. Am I committed to doing the work? And then say, okay, well, if I'm committed to doing the work, then you know what? I can develop any skill set because any any what one man can do, another man can do. I can develop any skill set. So if I put my mindset together with the skill set, then I end up with the results that, that I want. And I just follow that equation until it actually is true, you know? And then yeah. that creates that circular sort of checking in with the results, coming back to the, do I want to keep doing this? You know, do mm -hmm. I want to keep acquiring the skills? Did I get the result? Yes or no? Keep going. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, that brings me back. I remember what I was going to say when you kind of talked about, um, you know, having a coach basically shrink that gap for you or shorten the time frame, Right. And that's, that's what our job is there. Uh, we, you're here, you want to get here. We have that gap there. 
you you might be able to get there yourself. Absolutely, right? You might ha- might have that skill set, um, or at least maybe the mindset. And you 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 go on YouTube and you find all this stuff, and it takes you a really long time, but you get there, right? Or like you said, you find the person that can give you the skill set. You know, you maybe you have that mindset. You really want to do this. You just don't know what to do, which isn't going to help you get the results. Um, so having that support, having that coach shrink that gap or, you know, sh- shrink that time frame to get there is, is kind of the whole point of all this. And I think a lot of people bang their head against the wall when they just almost like I was saying before, I hope this is going to work right where just work out harder and you get faster like that. Maybe, right. It kind of depends on what you're doing, but if you're doing the wrong things, you maybe get slower, maybe you get hurt. Maybe you can't, can't race or whatever it might be. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I, I see this all the time in CrossFit specifically. Uh, you know, we have people in the gym who are more advanced than others. Our gym specifically, we, we bring in a lot of newbies. We advertise nutrition programs. So we bring in people who are generally obese or have some weight to lose. And we have a mixed population of people who are starting their journey and people who've been there for years and are, you know, well on their way. And a lot of times the people who are well on their way develop this mindset of, oh, well, I've seen everything there is to see from this group or this programming or this gym. Therefore, I need to quit what I'm doing here and I need to go somewhere else or I need to do different programming or I need to do what the Russians are doing to get my weightlifting up. And the reality is if you look at some of the greatest, like just CrossFitters, for example, they do the same programming that they program for their classes. They just do it at a higher level. Like they're going super hard to create the result. Whereas the guys and gals who think, well, I'm too good for this programming. And they go and they try and they jump ship and they do something else longer, harder, you know, or, or they feel like it's going to get them the result when really they haven't given all of themselves to what they just tried. They're not going to get anywhere. And they're doing that because they're not willing to pay a coach to say, listen, that workout you just did in 739, you should be able to do it at world-class pace at 445. Okay. Do we really need to change your programming or do you need to go a little harder today? You know, and nobody wants to hear that. They just want to hear, okay, well, you know, I can, I can click a button and now I'm on this programming track. (laughs) Now, magically, everything's going to be different, but that's not how it works. Yeah. It's, you know, that, that bright, shiny object syndrome where it's, this guy's doing this over here. This girl's doing that. I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that. And and that might work too, but it doesn't work when you like go here, then there, then there. And, and that's the idea, you know, that so many coaches I know talk about a program versus a workout, mm-hmm. right? You can, you can go look up in a magazine and find a workout um, that you go online and you'll be, you know, flooded with all these workouts out there, but how do they, how do they, like you said, take you where you're trying to get, um, and that's a big difference. Like, are we just trying to sweat? And again, maybe that is your goal, right? You're just, I just need to move and I, I don't care about racing or whatever it is. I just have to get up off the couch and move around. Or if I'm trying to get a, a specific, you know, time or distance or whatever it is, or, or lift, then uh, th- that's where the programs are going to be vital. And uh, I think some people have a hard time accepting that. Absolutely. I think it's more, you know, it's, it's like anything, really, if you go to a social event and you stand on the wall, you know, you're probably not going to have, you know, much of much of anything of interest happen in and around you that night. But if you go to a social event and you start introducing yourself to people, you know, the point is like what you bring to it is more important than what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you bring half your ass to the workout 
that you think you're too good to do versus bringing both cheeks and going hard to really push the tempo and see if you can up your score, then that's on you. You know, mm-hmm. the programming, changing programming is not going to cause you to suddenly bring both cheeks to the workout, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another, uh, uh, topic I wanted you to, to dive in a little bit more. Um, so you, uh, another thing you emailed me, um, being a leader of self first and always. Mm. So I'd love to hear just more thoughts on that. Yeah. So this was a huge awakening for me when I got into the personal development world, the mindset world. And I often thought for years and years that a leader was someone with a bunch of followers. And I think that social media has sort of solidified that idea in most people's minds. And the reality is if you're building a business and you have a thousand followers for your business or what have you, and then you put a product out for sale and you sell nothing, but you got 500 likes, you did absolutely nothing. You are not leading anyone because no one was willing to put their money behind what it is that you put out into the world. And so there's this idea that if they don't do that, then, okay, well, I'm just not a leader. And well, the reality is you didn't get the result you wanted, not because you're not a leader, but because perhaps they're all your friends, you know, and maybe they just didn't want that shirt or they don't want your wacky program that everybody on YouTube is selling or whatever the thing is. And so what do you do at that point? Do you quit? You know, do you say, oh no, I will never be a leader. I'm never going to, I'm never going to have this thing that I want. Or do you regroup and you say, listen, all of the things that I create emanate from me first. And anything that I want to bring into the real world emanates from me. And so being a leader is actually leading yourself first and always having followers is the result of leadership, not the indication thereof. So Having followers is the result of being a leader of self. And that might mean you have three followers, but all three of them buy from you and they don't necessarily like everything you put out, right? So that's the distinction there. And I think a lot of times when people are trying to build something or actively building something, that's a great perspective to hold because very few people are going to vibe with you in reality, there might be a lot of onlookers. There might be some controversy that you post or a thing that you post that gets a lot of attention momentarily. But in the real world, you know, you're going to be lucky to develop, you know, a thousand true fans, you know, to, to steal from the article or even a hundred real fans, like people who really are into the way of thinking that you're into. So I think at the end of the day, if you focus on developing the people who really, you know, put their money where their likes are or their hearts are, you're much better off because you know that you've actually had some sort of impact rather than focusing on, well, I put this piece of content out and it didn't get any likes. Therefore I'm not a leader. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's easy to see that relationship, you know, me, me being a business owner as well. And uh, I'll take it any day of the week. Like I, I see, you know, gyms and, and other business out there that have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of followers and things like that. I'll take a hundred if I know every one of them and I know uh, I, I, I can care about them, like 100,000 people, there's no way I can know that many people, right? Like it's, it's just how connected can we really be where I can have this relationship with, with true fans and, and um, I'll, you know, like I said, I'll take that any day of the week. 
Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. I mean, there's actually science around this. There's a number, I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, but there's a number called Dunbar's number, I think it is. I don't think so. And Dunbar's number is basically the study of tribes. And basically, once you get past like 150 people, you can forget it. Like it, you're going to have factions and you're going to have branching off because there's just not enough hours in the day mm -hmm. to have any form of relationship, be even beyond surface level past that many people. And that's why when you see an organization grow, it develops, you know, a lower management, a middle management and an upper management because all of those people sort of faction off into different sections of a company or sections of an organization. And that's necessary to maintain some semblance of, okay, we're still in touch with one another. So there's definitely a lot of science around that. And I would encourage anyone who is curious to look into that because, you know, it's funny, you know, I have, you can look at a, a business page, for example, and like you said, there's, oh, there's a hundred thousand likes here. You don't know if those were bought. You don't know if those were organic, but at the end of the day, what you do know is if you go through their timeline and you look at the content, nine times out of 10, you're going to see four likes, 10 likes, 50 likes, you know, unless it's like a celebrity sort of a page where people just like it because, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, it's a really hard thing to wrap your mind around. You know, it's really hard because you're like, man, I put, I poured my heart and soul into this thing and it's just not getting the attention I expected to get. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You know, because probably half the people who read it didn't interact anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you put stuff out there and you get, and you know, maybe you won't, you, you might think I only got four likes. It's like, you got four likes, four people cared enough to, to like it and read it or, you know, whatever it might be. And that's what we should think about is I just reached four people, not, not disappointed. It was only, only four people. Yeah. I mean, I had this, it's funny that we were on this sort of random tangent, but yes. like last <laughs> night I had a guy from my high school that I played little league ball with for one season. Totally forgot. Him. I like, yeah. I mean, I've been away from my hometown for almost 30 years. So I've forgotten faces. I've forgotten names. This guy, Dean, he reaches out to me via DM. And I have this happen a lot. Oh, man, you know, great question. I appreciate you putting that out. I appreciate the thought that you put into it. And I really enjoy the insights that you put forth. I'll take that over 100 likes any day, mm -hmm. right? That's the, that's the shot that keeps you coming back, right? It's like the hole in one on the ninth tee. And it's just, it keeps you coming back. And that's what... I really want to strive to create. I want to create impact more so than attention. Not to say that attention can't lead to impact, but the point is like if you are struggling to get off the ground or you're, or you're starting or you're doing your thing, whatever that thing is, you know, look for indications that you're making a change in someone's life. And that'll be way more impactful than counting up hearts on Instagram or likes on Facebook or whatever the thing is. I mean, and the reality is, I mean, you can't deposit likes and hearts anyway. Yeah, absolutely. You have to deposit sales. Yeah, yeah. You can deposit program <laughs> sales. That's about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I've taken up a lot of your time, but just to, to finish up here, I'd love to, um, I don't know, just kind of, let's say somebody listening, like where, where can they, where should they get started? Right. If we're, I, I need, if I know like the physical aspect, I, I feel pretty good about, but I'm just not putting enough behind it. Or, you know, I'm, I'm lost. Let's just say that. Where would you recommend or maybe a few steps to kind of get back on track, get going again? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're at that point where you're observing yourself and you're saying, listen, I'm really not where I want to be. You've already started, you know, because mm -hmm. you're dissatisfied with what you have 
or at least there's some desire to create something different in your life. So give yourself credit for acknowledging the fact that, you know, hey, I'm taking a look at myself and I want to make some changes. So you've already taken step one. Step two would be to decide what you do want. You know, what do you actually want? What do you want your bank account to look like? What do you want your body to look like? What do you want your relationships to look like? You know, what do you want your general well-being to feel like, you know? Decide what that looks like and get really, really clear on it. And then the first thing that I do every morning and I challenge everyone that I work with to do as well is when you open your eyes or even before you open your eyes, if you wake, envision yourself in that place having already achieved those goals. So every morning I wake up and the first thing I see is I see myself and my wife smiling by the door of our gym with just floods of people coming in and out, right? That's what I see. And that's motivation to get up and start creating the potential for floods of people in and out. <laughs> you know, that's, that's one of the things that I visualize. And then if you don't know how to do that, the next step is to hire someone or talk to someone. I prefer, obviously, you, if, you, if you are serious, you'll hire someone. Hire someone to help you get there because they'll collapse time frames. And yeah, they're going to cost you money up front. But you know what? Time, uh, uh, money is cheaper than time. And uh, you don't, you don't, you want to waste as little as possible. Absolutely. Awesome. I mean, that's, that's such a, a clear, concise way to, to go about this and implement that. And um, I really appreciate you, you coming on here and sharing. I know uh, I rambled for sure. I appreciate you bringing us back and um, <laughs> keeping us on track here. But if, if anybody does have more questions for you or wants to learn a little bit more about you, where, where would be some good places to reach out to? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I am all over the old Instagrams. So at j.c.archer, you can pick me up there if you want to read like a little daily dose of motivation or mindset, uh, put something out there every single day. If you're in the Phoenix area and you want to drop by CrossFit North Phoenix and say hello, uh, learn a little bit about training programs or nutrition programs, I'll be there always and forever. And if you really want to know a little bit of everything, just go to Hardwater One. That's H-E-R-D-W-O-D-D-E-R-O-N-E.com. And all of my stuff is there. You can pick up the podcast, uh, the clothing line, everything is all right there. Awesome. And I'll put links to all that in the show notes so people can, can access it all uh, pretty easily. Uh, so Jason, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure talking to you and I really appreciate you coming on. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity, Mike. Thank you. All right, well, that's going to do it for another episode of the OCR Underground Show. Um, I hope you found this helpful in your OCR training. And if so, I'd love you if you would subscribe, however you might be listening to the show, so you don't miss any future episodes, uh, as well as leave a rating. And uh, just let me know how you uh, like the show and any, any ways that it's helped you out. Uh, also wanted to give a big thanks to our uh, this episode's sponsors, Venga CBD and Anchor Training. Make sure you check out all of their great products. Um, again, you can check out the show notes at ocrunderground.com slash episode 84 for the links directly there, as well as all the info from our guest today, SGX coach Jason Archer. Big thanks for him uh, coming on here and chatting with me today. Uh, well, that's going to do it. We'll be back soon with another great episode. And until then, keep training smarter.